We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio. I'm Walker Wildman. I'm your host for the show. We have a jam-packed show as always. There's just not a lot of wasted time here on the show. And a little rabbit trail because we're known to take them here on the show. My English teacher from high school, I'll never forget it. She absolutely despised the word a lot. And I just used it opening the show. Um, And we use it often, but she said the word a lot, A space L-O-T, or some people use it together, but that uh that word is so she said it's so nonspecific with a with the word a couple or a few you at least have a general sense of uh, of a of a quantity of a number but she said the word a lot is is open ended and vague that it it just shouldn't be used in the english language <laughs> and if you think about it there's a little bit of truth there it's uh the word a lot you say well how much is a lot well we don't know. <laughs> Nobody knows. Um, I guess you could say it's more than a few and more than a couple. So, anyway, little little memory from uh, from not that long ago when I was in uh, when I was in high school. So every time I use that word, the reason I mentioned that, every time I use the word a lot, I think, why am I even using that? My English teacher would be so mad at me for using that word <laughs> that is so hard to nail down on a quantity. So. Maybe we'll have an English professor on to answer the question, can we use the word a lot? And what does a lot mean? <laughs> um, jumping into, uh, we're, we're reading Psalm chapter 11 this week, but in place of our scripture today, American Family Association sent out a email to our supporters asking them, calling for them to pray for the people of Ukraine more specifically to pray for the Christians that are in Ukraine. And so that's what we're going to do to open the show today, is we're going to pray for the people of Ukraine, uh, uh, especially the innocent uh, who are in harm's way in Ukraine with the the recent uh, invasion by Russia and the back and forth there, uh, the war that has has come to Ukraine. So we'll, we'll go ahead and pray now, then we'll jump into the show. Heavenly Father, your word says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. We know that you are a God of peace and that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So we pray for the people of Ukraine who find themselves in the midst of fearful conflict. Draw near to them, O Lord, and protect them. We pray for the people and nation of Ukraine, protect the innocent, the families, and the children. Give courage to those who fight to defend their faith, their freedom, and their homeland. We pray for pastors, missionaries, and Christian workers throughout Ukraine. Grant them wisdom as they minister hope in your name. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, that's our prayer from American Family Association for the people in Ukraine. And as, as believers, our hearts should ache when innocent life is taken, whether it be in the womb in America via what's called abortion, a.k.a. baby killing, or whether it's in Ukraine or another land far, far away, any time that innocent life is taken, it should, it should sadden the heart of the believer, and it should cause us to be angry. It should cause us to be angry uh, over that injustice. So that should be the Christian viewpoint. And as you see in Scripture, uh, Christians are called, uh, if at all possible, Christians are called to live peacefully uh, amongst other men. So that's our call as Christians. And uh, are we always able to do that? No. At times, Christians have to defend themselves. And, um, uh, but we should strive to live peaceably amongst men. Uh, jumping into the show for today, we have, um, I've got this report from a, the Pfizer Corporation. It's actually from the FDA, but it's, it's an analysis of um, Pfizer uh, reporting when it comes to adverse reactions, adverse events from the Pfizer shot. And the date here uh, of this data is from December 1st, 2020, or December 1, 2020, through February 28, 2021. So about a three-month gap here of data. And if you remember this data, let's, let's remember this as well, that this data is from the early days of this shot being released to the public. Because the, the, the shot, these uh, Operation Warp Speed released these shots to the public for uh, general consumption or general injection uh, back in December of 2020. Back around uh, December of 2020, and uh, this this data that I'm about to read from covers a three-month period, all right? So these numbers are not from 12 months, 18 months. These are from a, a three-month period. And the only way that these documents were released by the FDA is because uh, there was a FOIA request, a Freedom of Information Act request, and the FDA uh, fought this back and forth for the, the past several months, the past few months, not wanting to release this information, which is bizarre. I mean, aren't we all about transparency? But this had to be litigated in order for us to get the documents on adverse reactions to the COVID-19 shot, specifically the Pfizer shot, in the early months of distribution of these shots. So jumping into this report, it's about 36, 37 pages we will link to this report on the podcast page at AFR.net. If you go to my show page, the AFA at the Core show page, uh, the web page at AFR.net on our website, you click on AFA at the Core podcast, you click on today's show, which is March the 2nd, 2022. You click on today's show, and right there below the audio in the show description uh, will be a link to this PDF document for you to read for yourself. But jumping into page seven, uh, page seven, we see that there were 
um, let's see, page six, we see that there were, during this 90-day period, there were 42,086 case reports of adverse reactions. All right? This obviously does not cover all adverse reactions because some adverse reactions we know were not reported. So these are just the ones that were reported. So during a 90-day period, there were 42,086 case reports of adverse reactions. 25,000 of them, roughly, I'm going to start rounding off instead of being down to the to the specific uh, digit. Roughly 25,000 of them were medically confirmed. 16,000 were non-medically confirmed. Uh, so medically confirmed means it's a more robust, a more reliable report. Non-medically confirmed probably means that they're just relying on the initial report for the information. And a total, and get this, this is very interesting. A, the, uh, the, the, out of 42,086 case reports, there were 158,000 events. Which what I draw from that is that many people, some people, had multiple reactions to the shots. Because you have 42,000 case reports and 158,000 events within the 42,000 case reports. And this remember, this is a three-month period. This is not a, a three-year period or a 30-year period. This is, in, this is in 90 days. 42,000 case reports, 158,000 events. When you read more into this, there were 1,200 fatalities. There were 1,200 deaths in direct association, in direct connection to these Pfizer shots. This is according to this FDA document. So 1,200 people died because they got the COVID-19 shot. And you, you hear from other uh, epidemiologists, other vaccinologists, other doctors and scientists, many of them say if there are the, the, the standard for the FDA and other agencies before the COVID-19 pandemic were if there were like 20 or 25 or even 100 fatalities in connection with a vaccine, they would halt the entire operation until further investigation. But here we have, just in the first 90 days, we have 1,200 deaths as a result of these shots, and they were carrying on business as usual, no questions asked, uh, past this. And then the last thing I'll mention in this report is when you go to the last page, or the last several pages, actually, and this was this was astonishing. Because when you when you read up on these shots and the adverse reactions as a result of them, you get um, a, a couple, a few, several top reactions. So you get myocarditis, periocarditis, and then you. Um, you can get into, uh, there's a couple others that I can't think of off the top of my head, but there's there's about, I don't know, four, five, six uh, adverse reactions that are very well known with these shots that, that you hear people talk about. But when you look at this document from the FDA and from Pfizer, they have, listen to how many pages of adverse reactions they recorded amongst these 42,000 cases. One page... Two page, 
three-page, four-page, five-page, six-page. And if you're watching on YouTube or, 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 or Facebook, if they haven't banned me yet, um, you can go to AFA at the Core YouTube channel or AFA at the Core Facebook page and watch the show live. I'm holding up one of these pages, and folks, this is not like bullet points with 10 adverse reactions per page. I don't know. This is maybe 100 per page, if not very close to it. So you've got uh, roughly uh, 100 adverse reactions. These are separate medical uh, diagnoses, and you've got one page, you've got two-page, you've got three-page, you've got four-page, fifth-page, and sixth-page, all of different medically confirmed adverse reactions to this shot. So hundreds of different adverse reactions to these shots. And the reason I bring this up, for multiple reasons, but there are reasons, as I've mentioned before, but I'm going to keep beating the dead horse if you want to use that analogy. There are, there are a, a, a plethora of reasons why you study vaccines, and in this case, it's not scientifically a vaccine. It's more of a therapeutic if it works how they say it does. Um, but there are reasons that historically you study these things for 5, 10, 15 years, five years being a minimum, and you conduct clinical trials where people volunteer to be a part of the clinical trial with the disclaimer that they could have an adverse reaction. But we, we skipped that in the name of Operation Warp Speed, which was a terrible idea under the Trump administration to rush these things through and the media had hyped this virus up so much that everybody thought it was like Ebola. I mean, you, you go out and ask people, they'll be like, we're all going to die from COVID. No, that's absolutely not the truth. And so the public signs off and tips their hat to this Operation Warp Speed, and so does the government. So now we've rushed through these shots, and not only have we distributed, distributed, them, uh, distributed them, but we have also forced people against their will to take them. That is unethical, immoral, and criminal. It should have never been done. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. It's here, folks. American Family Association presents the Marriage Family Life Conference 2022. This year's theme is Here I Stand. I may be a little biased here, but I believe this conference is the preeminent family training conference in the nation. We are committed to seeing your entire family equipped to stand firm in the face of the raging spiritual battles we engage in our day. This year's speakers include people like Israel Wayne, Dr. Kathy Cook, Will and Mickey Addison, yours truly, and more. Go to marriagefamilylife.net to register now. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising God the Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Researchers at New York University found that people who incorporate new experiences into their daily schedule can actually feel happier than those who cling to the same everyday habits. Variety is the spice of life after all. When's the last time your family broke from your routine? Ditch the dinner table and instead enjoy a family picnic tonight. One simple change can bring a whole lot of joy. 1 Thessalonians instructs us to test everything, hold fast to what is good, and abstain from evil. Look at your everyday schedule. Is there evil lurking in the mundane or the busy? Put your life to the test by examining your family's habits and how they might be hindering your girl from experiencing the joy of great happiness hiding in plain sight. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Paul writes, when one part of the body suffers, we suffer together. This is Bible League International, and here's a very startling statistic. Every five minutes outside of America, a Christian is killed simply because they believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Let me give you some perspective. By the end of the average hour-long worship service in America on a Sunday, 12 Christians will die, again, simply because of their faith. Now listen, persecution is arguably the top issue facing the global church today. I'm not saying that death is affiliated with everything every case of persecution, but at Bible League, we know Christians who are singled out, targeted, monitored, threatened with death, even killed simply because of their faith. Listen, we can do something about it by sending exactly what they're praying for to persevere and endure, and that's God's Word at $5 a Bible, $100 sends 20 Would you pray about it and then make your most generous gift by calling 800-YES-WORD, 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D, or give at sendbiblesnow.org, sendbiblesnow.org, and God bless you for caring. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. There is a light that burns in the darkness. She's the fear away There is a peace that settles around us It is your love that sets our hearts ablaze There is a light that burns in the darkness While she's a fear away There is a peace that settles around us It is your love that sets our hearts ablaze Surround us, the
Welcome back to the core. It's Worship Wednesday, and that was Phil, uh, This Place by Red Rocks Worship. Uh, that's our, our Worship Wednesday song for the week. Jumping back in to our uh, same topic that we ended the last segment on, but just a, a, a different angle on the effectiveness of these shots or the lack thereof. Um, as I mentioned, um, I've mentioned this before, but you know, Americans have really been conditioned uh, to accept failure and then applaud it as victory. And that's what's going on in Ukraine. I mean, the media is fawning over Biden, how great he is, how great Zelensky is. He's a warrior. Um, but we, we really should be talking about how this should have all been avoided to begin with. I mean, we shouldn't accept Russia invading Ukraine as some kind of victory. <laughs> and applaud Biden for his handling of a crisis that he helped foster through various foreign policy blunders. And so uh, uh, along the same lines, the same uh, principle of conditioning someone to uh, embrace defeat as victory, uh, they've done the same thing with these shots. And and, and Biden, in his speech uh, yesterday, um, he said— uh, not only did he say he claimed falsely, if we're gonna we're gonna do like the left does, we're gonna fact check. Um, Biden claimed um, that these shots would. They, he says they'll stop disease. He said he says these shots will stop disease. And let's just go ahead and listen to that clip for this is from the State of the Union. Because you can't build a wall high enough to keep out a a a, a vaccine. The vaccine can stop. The spread of these diseases. <laughs> All right. Bobby, I think that was two thoughts coming together into one. I think so, too. A wall and vaccines. And I, I get where he was border. going. <laughs> you, you can't build a wall big enough to keep out viruses, I think, is where he was going. But here's the problem is that statement is is blatantly false. And it's not because Walker Wildman says it's false and I'm going to do like the left and just make – assertions and then move on and not provide any data, any type of factual information to back up my claim that what the president said is false. Instead, we are going to let the left eat the left and let the Biden administration debunk the Biden administration's myths. Let's listen to the CDC director. Oh, not that long ago, maybe a couple months ago, clip five. Our vaccines are working exceptionally well. They continue to work well for Delta with regard to severe illness and death. They prevent it. But what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. Well, oops. <laughs> so is the president right or is the CDC right? Because there's some contradicting going on here. And we know who's right. We know the CDC's right. Because huh? raise your hand if you know somebody who's fully vaccinated that got COVID. We all do. We all do. And that's okay. I've had COVID, still working on getting my smell back. Um, and, 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 and COVID can be serious for, for some people. So we need to note that. I've noted that before. So this is not a belittling of the virus or a uh, acting as if it's not there because some people ha have a really hard time recovering from it. Uh, some people have, it's been fatal for some people. Um, but this is this is the discussion of the efficacy of the shots. So we talked about the safety last segment. Well, 
the, uh, the CDC says these shots do not prevent transmission. But she, she touts about how effective they are at preventing severe illness. Well, Ms. Zelensky, that's not a vaccine. That's a therapeutic. If you've got a therapeutic that helps keep people out of the hospital, that's a good thing, but that's not a vaccine. And we need to stop changing decades and decades worth of medical terminology for the Biden administration, for political purposes. I mean, what if every administration came in and changed definitions to make things look like political and medical and scientific victories? And then Biden says yesterday during his speech, I mean, these people in the American public, half of the country buys the lies hook, line, and sinker. It's like a piece of cake. As far as the the, um, the number of, of people, the number of the electorate, that they are sold on the lies. And thankfully, there's probably more people that are waking up to what's going on here than the, those that are not. But President Biden said this yesterday. He said, quote, we must prepare for new variants. Oh, like the ones coming out of China? Over the past year, we've gotten much better at detecting new variants, Biden said. If necessary, we'll be able to deploy new vaccines within 100 days instead of many more months or years, end quote. Once again, <laughs> Breitbart points out, providing no details of how he would make that into reality. He goes on to say, and if Congress provides the funds we need, oh, let's just spend more money. We'll have new stockpiles of tests, masks, and pills ready if needed. He continued, adding, I cannot promise, I cannot promise a new variant won't come. But I can promise you we'll do everything within our power to be ready if it does. Well, Mr. Biden, Mr. President, one way you can avoid more variants and more viruses is to talk to China about not letting it get out of the bat lab in Wuhan. But we can't talk about that because you're you're racist, you're xenophobic if you talk about where the virus came from. But you notice they don't use that same of that same type of PC nonsense, that wokeism. They don't use that same standard with Russia. If you criticize Russia, they're like, yeah, yeah, go get them. Go get them, Putin. Or, or go get Putin. But if you talk about China, well, then you're a bigot. You can't talk. You're mean. You don't like Asians if you talk about China. Um, what's going on in China, I would argue, is way more important than what's going on in Ukraine. China is is positioning ourselves. I'm sorry, positioning themselves to take over the West. Take over the U.S., and we're fighting for Ukraine's borders. I mean, what 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 we really need to do is accept defeat in Ukraine, and def- by defeat I mean Putin got the upper hand. We're funding his war by using his oil, buying his oil. So is the uh, Europe, and we are in a position, and so is Ukraine. And I got a clip on this. Ukraine is in a p- position for defeat. From a, from a worldly military perspective, Ukraine is in a position for defeat 
Why? Partly because European countries and the U.S. did not position themselves to be able to deter Vladimir Putin, and now we're playing from behind. Now we're playing from behind because we're importing Russian oil uh, at a level right behind Canada as the number two importer of foreign energy into America. And you know what it takes to unravel that and then cut the drilling and the fracking and the other stuff on in America? Months. It takes months, if not years, to flip that energy policy back to the Trump era and become energy independent. That's why the Biden administration, they don't really want to talk about cutting off Russian oil because that's the jugular that would cut off the spigot of money going into Putin's regime that he's using to fund the war against Ukraine. And so America has positioned herself to not really be able to genuinely fight against Russia from an economic standpoint. And so here we are. And the Biden administration is claiming victory, how great we are handling this crisis. We should have never been here to begin with. Let's not accept defeat as victory and everybody give the Biden administration an applause. That's not how this should work. Um, let's play clip six. This is an interesting take from Doug McGregor. He's a retired Army, Army colonel. And he's predicting here on Tucker Carlson's show that it's just a matter of time before Ukraine falls. First question is, where are we now? We keep hearing these reports about a Russian convoy coming into the capital city, et cetera, et cetera. But big picture, where is the war as of tonight? Well, the first five days, we witnessed a very slow, methodical movement of Russian forces into eastern Ukraine. That is Ukraine, the third of Ukraine, which is on the eastern side of this river called the Dnieper. They moved slowly, cautiously. They tried to reduce casualties among the civilian population tried to give as many Ukrainian troops and forces as possible the opportunity to give up, to surrender. That is over. And the phase in which we find ourselves now, Russian forces have now maneuvered to encircle and surround the remaining Ukrainian forces and destroy them through a series of massive rocket artillery strikes, air strikes, with Russian armor then slowly but surely closing the distance and annihilating what's left. This is the beginning, frankly, of the end of Ukrainian resistance. So the ugly stuff is just beginning, it yes. sounds like. Yes. Okay. That's a very sobering, <clears throat> bleak outlook on what's going on in Ukraine. But just because it's sobering and bleak doesn't mean we should overlook it. And so that's why I wanted to bring that clip in uh, to the show that Colonel McGregor is saying, you know, this is not looking good for Ukraine. We knew that that Russia had Ukraine outnumbered on multiple fronts, not only from a military standpoint, from a personnel standpoint, but also from an equip equipment standpoint and probably a financial standpoint, at least at the beginning of it. Now there's uh, countries surging uh, arms and money into Ukraine. But, um, you know, I'm concerned about all of that money making it to the right place. Ukraine is a notoriously corrupt nation. That's a fact, and people don't want to talk about that during times of war, but that is very noteworthy. When you talk about who are we fighting for, Ukraine is a notoriously corrupt nation. Uh, much of the Obama, Clinton, Biden era, <laughs> still in the Biden era, 
much of the scandals, some of the foreign policy scandals, flowed through Ukraine. They flowed through Ukraine. And um, Hunter Biden was was running, uh, President Biden, then vice president, was running point for foreign policy in Ukraine while Hunter Biden was uh, working for that Ukrainian energy company. Uh, so you can go all through that. Uranium One, I believe, was the deal. Uh, that goes back to the Clinton era as Secretary of State. When America, the Clinton Secretary of State Department under Obama, uh, Hillary Clinton cut a deal with a, this was with Russia, this wasn't Ukraine, this was Uranium One, which is a deal where America released a certain amount of uranium to Russia. What is uranium used for? Building nuclear weapons. So to a certain extent, America sold Putin uranium for his nuclear stockpile. And this is why I say that uh, we need to be really careful here where we go with this. Because I don't believe that these people are genuine, our leaders are genuine when they say they are against Vladimir Putin. Their actions just do not reflect that. Uh, jumping back to one more clip from, this is from Jen Psaki, the White House Press Secretary. A uh, short clip on when Russia has invaded Ukraine and who was in charge when they did. Clip three. You know, I was at the State Department. The president was the vice president the last time Russia invaded Ukraine. This is a pattern of horror from this president, from President Putin and from the cronies around him. Oops, a little slip of the tongue there. You know, they probably just need to stop doing interviews. Because Jen Psaki just confessed to the world that, hey, when my boss is in charge, things go south. I know that's not how she intended it, but that's how it was received. <laughs> Every time Biden is in the White House, whether in the VP role or now the president role, Putin feels emboldened to invade another territory. It was Crimea, 2014, when Obama didn't send lethal arms, he sent MREs and blankets. Then... Biden becomes president. Where does Putin go? Farther into Ukraine. It's a pattern, a pattern that does not need to be repeated. AFR is the voice of reason. American Family Radio's Spring Shareathon is April 19th through the 21st. An inspiring part of share is hearing how God is using American Family Radio. It's a lifeline for me during the day. Please take a moment to share how God has used AFR in your life. Call now at 877-876-8893. That's 877-876-8893. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA upholds the truth that all human beings, including the unborn, are created in the image of God and are worthy of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation 
Thank you for standing with us. How do we change a nation? One heart at a time. The Ministry of Preborn not only shares heartbeats, but shares hearts by loving women in crisis and leading them to Christ. When this mother came to a preborn center, she was scared and not sure she could afford another child. It was just a scary time for us, having my daughter, how that would impact our lives. When I came here, it was just so amazing to come to an environment where someone would actually pray for me and guide me through my battles that I was facing during that time. After receiving love, support, and the gospel of Christ, this mom chose life for her daughter. You can be a part of rescuing lives and changing hearts for Christ. For $140, sponsor five ultrasounds, and you'll receive a story and pictures of babies' lives that were spared. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby, or go to preborn.com. Your gift is tax deductible. This is Don Shank with today's global update from the Tide Ministry, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ worldwide in the languages people were born to speak. We are blessed to celebrate over seven decades of global radio outreach with tens of thousands of people hearing the gospel through our radio broadcasts in multiple languages. God certainly had a plan for Reverend Byer's vision all those years ago. But there are so many people who still haven't heard the good news, and our Diamond Vision describes our plan to embrace that need. The fourth key facet of this initiative is Verify, which outlines our goal to measure the effectiveness of our outreach activities to both manage them well and to demonstrate the efficient stewardship of resources. We're honored that Christians choose to share their faith through the Tide Ministry and want to be the best stewards of what the Lord has given us through their support. To learn how the Tide Ministry measures impact and maintains accountability for the resources provided by those who generously help us tell people about Jesus, visit thetide.org. That's thetide.org. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to The Core here on American Family Radio. If you want to call in to The Core, we'll be glad to take your questions, comments about the topics discussed on the show today. 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840, is the number to call in to The Core. A reminder that we have our Annual Marriage Family Life event coming up this summer in July, July 7 through 9, here in Tupelo, Mississippi, where our national headquarters is. July 7th through July 9th, here in Tupelo, Mississippi, is our annual Marriage Family Life conference uh, that we want you to register for. We want you to come to Tupelo, come to our conference, visit our headquarters here in uh, July, just in a couple months, in a few months. AFA.net forward slash events is that URL. AFR.net forward slash events is where you can find not only Marriage Family Life Conference, but also other events that we're hosting throughout the country. AFA.net forward slash events. Uh, Before we jump to one more story, before we take calls, I'll give out the number again. 888-589-8840-888-589-8840. Uh, Bobby and I were doing a little refresher on uh, the whole Uranium One deal, and it's a it's a pretty hefty deal when it comes to all the details involved. Uh, but that 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 deal involved the Obama administration 
the uh, Hillary Clinton State Department as Secretary of State, where America sold 20% of our uranium stockpile to Russia, to Vladimir Putin. And in exchange, there were several um, questionable, uh, uh, sketchy transactions that flowed into the Clinton Foundation around the same time as that deal. So uh, why was America, under the Obama administration, selling American uranium to Vladimir Putin? And that comes the year before he invaded Crimea. So Jen Psaki's right. Every time that Biden's in charge, every time that Obama's in charge, dictators feel emboldened uh, to advance on their enemies. And that's what we're seeing right now in Ukraine. 888-589-8840 is the number to call in. 888-589-8840 is the number to call in. Well... Uh, President Trump said something on uh, Maria Bartiromo's show that I thought was uh, interesting. It sounds unreal. It sounds surreal. But, you know, it could could come true. Hopefully not. He said, uh, President Trump said on the show uh, this morning that oil could go up to $200 a barrel. $200 a barrel. He said... uh, Uh, According to Trump, the United States, this is reading from this news report, according to President Trump, the United States is, quote, looking like a bunch of fools after President Joe Biden um, reversed course on his energy policy, which is, that's absolutely true. We look like a bunch of fools. He called on his successor to open back up oil production in the U.S. Amen to that. Uh, He goes on to say, so where do you think oil prices are going to go? And, and what impact will that have on the broader economy? What is your take? Uh, host Maria Bartiromo questioned the former president. He says, well, they're going unlimited right now, talking about the prices of oil. You can't even project it. It's so unstable. It could go to anything, President Trump said. Maria Bartiromo followed up and said, to 200? Question mark. He said, oh, yeah. I mean, why not? You won't be able to get it. And OPEC loves it. They're making a fortune. Why would they do anything, talking about OPEC? They have him over a barrel. I don't know if uh, the pun was intended there. The only thing he can do is just say, sorry about it with with the climate hoax. Sorry about it. I'm reading a President Trump statement. I get it. It's incomplete sentences. Look, this climate situation is killing our country, end quote, from President Trump. And I agree. I agree completely. The whole climate hoax... Is killing our economy. Killing our economy. And I've, I've talked about the climate hoax here on the show before, but this is all driven by a theory that man emitting via vehicle vehicles or engines or other type of energy uh, users um, or energy consumption machinery, that that is causing the temperature on the planet to rise that is the theory which has is so not rooted in hardcore science and data why they change it from global warming to 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 climate change why 
because the globe stopped warming. Back 50 years ago, they warned that we're going into another ice age. I brought in the headlines. I brought in like 1970 New York Times pieces on this. Now what do they say? Well, 10 years ago, they said the earth is warming. The earth is warming. Look at global temperatures. The ice is melting in the Arctic. What happened? The earth stopped warming. It started cooling. So they changed the term to climate change. So this is a moving target, but they are turning this into a moral cause that is not rooted in morality. And they're trying to tell you that if you drive a Tesla and you use those uh, lithium-ion batteries that cost a fortune to replace, quite literally, then you are somehow more righteous than someone else who drives a diesel truck. Because that person who's emitting carbon monoxide, he is killing our planet. That's the narrative. And so they, they've, they've pushed everybody towards this, this electric future, or this, quote, renewable future, that is the most unreliable energy source around. I mean, you ask anybody if they want to run a city off of solar panels and windmills. They're going to say, no, we need coal. <laughs> we need natural gas. We need oil. It's most reliable and most affordable. Everybody will say it. I even saw this interview, and then we'll get the calls, and I'll stop talking. I even saw this interview up in, this was like in Detroit or some major metropolitan area, where the city, the city government was displaying these um, electric vehicles and these little charging stations. How fancy. And the news reporter said, well, uh, where does this charging station get its power from? <laughs> and uh, the the representative for the city said, oh, there's a coal plant about 30 miles down the road where it gets its energy from. <laughs> yes. Wait, wait. So the Tesla is being fueled by energy produced from coal. Mm. Well, yes, Walker, that's the case. Okay, so how clean is that? How clean is that? Well, the, the, the vehicle doesn't emit any emissions. Well, they're having to pump about five more shovel loads of coal into the plant to fuel your Tesla. So is it even carbon neutral? That's my question. Are we emitting more carbon at the coal plant than we are out of the back of your car? Good question. Maybe we'll have look, do, some, do some little research on how much carbon is needed to fuel the Tesla versus how much carbon is emitted driving a standard fuel-burning, uh, gasoline-burning engine. And so it's all a charade. It all looks good on the surface, but you just peek behind the curtain just a little bit. It just doesn't add up. So if you want to drive a Tesla, more power to you. They're pretty cool. I like how they're quiet. Um, but let's don't make this a righteous moral argument because it's not. If It's not. If you, if you find benefits to driving electric vehicles, good for you. I might have a Tesla one day. Who knows? Uh, the, Ford, the Ford and GM, they're all making some pretty cool electric vehicles. Uh, so this is not an anti-electric vehicle uh, rant, but this is a, hey, let's get off your high horse about the whole uh, renewable energy, solar panels, and windmill uh, until we get a little more science and data to back it up. All right, we'll go to the lines, and we're going to go to Jeremy. In Mississippi, Jeremy, welcome to the core. Hello. Uh, first, I want to say I do appreciate AFR. 
I try to listen to it pretty much every time I turn on the radio. Uh, appreciate all the programs. Uh, so with that uh, out of the way, I just wanted to say I don't quite agree with the take that a lot of people are making on the Ukrainian situation. It seems that they're taking a complicated situation and just trying to make it black and white. Uh, one of the things that I think a lot of people don't realize is that in the 90s, whenever they gave up their nukes, one of the reasons they agreed to give up their nukes was because the U.S. agreed to protect them in case of attack. Uh, so we actually do have an agreement from the 90s, you know, all the way back then, that says that if they gave up their ability to, to defend themselves with nuclear weapons, then we would help protect them. Uh, so that was that was actually one of the reasons that uh, NATO always said, you know, that that there was no need for them to join NATO because they already had an agreement with the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's point one. Uh, point two, there would be a, you used a, an analogy, uh, I guess it was last week, about starting about a neighbor's house on fire, and but your own house is on fire. I think that's not, I think a more accurate, just, you know, roll with it just for a second. Let me, mm-hmm. uh, uh, probably more accurate take would be your neighbor's being held hostage at gunpoint uh, while they're being robbed, and you have termites, and you live in a wood house. Now, those termites, if left, you know, untreated, will help destroy your house. But there's an active, violent situation going on at your neighbor's house. Now, you don't necessarily want to get involved because it could hurt you. But that's not to say that we have to completely ignore what's going on over there because we have our own problems either. Yeah. So. I- yeah, let me let me ask you this on the first part about the 1994 treaty under the Clinton administration. Um, what w- that did that agreement uh, tie us into into uh, a war with with a with a country that went after Ukraine, or was that more like we'll support you with arms and money if you get attacked? What was the exact agreement there? Off the top of my head, I don't remember because I, I'm going off the top of my head. I didn't yeah. look it up on my phone because or because America. It's been a while. Um, uh, to my, what I'm trying to get at here is America is not like leaving Ukraine out in the cold here. Okay, so so we're sending arms, we're sending money, um, and 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 that to help Ukraine. So so I would say I haven't read that agreement, that treaty on what we committed to there, um, but I think. From what I'm seeing, we're holding up our end of the bargain as far as being there to support Ukraine uh, in their defense. Um, but my main uh, c- concern here is, and I've mentioned it specifically, is sending military personnel, U.S. military personnel, on the ground in Ukraine to fight Russia. That's been my main beef, and I've, I've said that specifically um, a couple of times. And uh, we'll let you go here, Jeremy. Appreciate the call, brother. And uh, you make a good point about the the analogy, but um, I think we've got more than a termite problem here in America. I think we got more than a termite problem uh, here in America. No, we're not being invaded by a foreign nation with tanks like Russia uh, is doing with Ukraine. Uh, But America has some very serious problems um, that, that are worthy of our energy, worthy of our concern. And my beef is that we exert so much energy for these foreign affairs, but but the domestic affairs that that are that are that are in need of attention get glossed over 
um, as if uh, they are just a, a tiny leak in the corner bathroom uh, when we know they're a much bigger issue. Appreciate the call, Jeremy. Uh, uh, Diana in Tennessee. Diana, welcome to the core. Uh, yes. Hi. Uh, I'm sorry. This is Diana. Yes. Uh, we, my head and I had the radio on waiting for uh, you. Am I on the air now? Yes, ma'am. You're on. You got about a minute and a half. Okay. Uh, the gentleman was just talking about the 1994 agreement. And yes, that agreement was that if anybody came in to the Ukraine, we would go and fight for them. And uh, we were their protectors, you know, whatever. And we have, this nation has, um, well, NATO has said that, okay, they wouldn't get them in, in NATO because we were taking care of them. NATO has um, repeatedly gone in there and tried to get uh, Ukraine to be part of NATO, which that was part of that treaty um, that I understand that that was not going to happen because that was not going to be good for, for Ukraine as well as Russia and all that whole area. Um, as far as, and so then they broke the treaty. Um, as far as Putin uh, going in there, one, I don't think people realize that, the, that Ukraine, part, half of Ukraine, has been bombing, killing, murdering, raping, you name it. Uh, the other part of Ukraine. The Ukrainians have been killing the other Ukrainians. Hmm. There's a, a faction of Ukraine that for centuries was actually part of Russia. The Russian uh, uh, genealogies, the Russian speaking people, and all, all that. Right. And yeah. well, I'm so coming anyway. up against a hard break. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. Uh, wh what I'll do, folks, I'll just read the 1994 treaty this afternoon, and we'll bring it on the show tomorrow. We'll tell you exactly what it says, exactly what America's commitments are, and we'll do that tomorrow. There's injustice around the world. The question is, should American blood be spilt on foreign soils in Ukraine, in foreign soil on Ukraine? That's the main question I've been asking and, and debating. We'll talk more about it tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.